Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann and today is a two-man pod uh, with my good friend Michael Budd. How are we doing, Mickey? I'm good. I've never been called your good friend before. Uh, my my acquaintance, my, my, enemy. my rival enemy. Yes, they say you keep better. your enemies closer than your friends, don't they? That's, that's true. Why, that's why I do a podcast with you, so just in case. Oh, thanks, know. man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether that is a compliment or not, but yeah. Thought, yeah, I'm thanks, man. It. That's all right. Yeah. I'm yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. It's been a couple of weeks, actually, since we've last released one of these, these yeah. days. And uh, a lot has happened. A lot of stuff outside of the world of tech for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, how are things going, Mixter? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm sort of like nearing the end of this big project that I'm working on, but, um, this is yeah. the, uh, analytical one. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it, I would say it's the most, I find with most projects, the, the last bit is the really stressful bit. Like a marathon run, you know, the last bit is going to be the bit that's just going to make you, yeah, hit the wall. It really is actually. And, uh, and I have to say, like, the client I work for is absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and he just wants like a, uh an mvp released basically which is really cool but um defining the boundaries of what an mvp is is really hard and, and there's always going to be some functionality that doesn't go live that you'd really like to go live on that first release so uh that's quite quite difficult but um you know how the are most... you how are you divvying that up are you like do you have like a a kind of weight system of like saying all right look this is how much time that's going to take and do you want that over that and you know like giving them compromises like right you can have that but you couldn't have that if you have that and all those discussions. Um, I think usually I would do, but like I said, this, this client is so, so good. He's like, well, you know, you can get done, get done and then we'll release it, you know, but there is obviously there's like core functionality that has to be there. And, and with this product, obviously, for example, I mean, the, the main ability is to like, you know, search through loads of records of data through traffic that's been on your site. And, you know, lots of things like, you know, who uh, find results where the first page you landed on was this or when the last page was this. So, so all that kind of stuff has to be there, obviously, because if that's not right working, then people just aren't going to use the product. So then you can have all the nice extra bells and whistles, but it's never going to be seen if if you don't get the bread and butter bits right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we kind of agreed on that, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's been really nice having that freedom. The clients just said, "Well, look, the product has to do do this." <laughs> Uh, how you go about it you know it's up to you so he's really left me in that's a good thing. yeah that's really cool like giving you that kind of confidence to, you know to yeah. like go and do what you feels right um that's, yeah. that's a nice thing i mean obviously because i suppose then that the core functionality is the analytical is logging the data so getting yeah. it into at least a format that you can store and then yeah. actually what you're saying after the fact, I mean, I know you want to be able to run some of these queries on it probably from day one, but a lot yeah. of that can probably be done after the fact, actually the analytical side of it. It's mainly the get, can we get the data in that we want from these users? Yeah. And uh, that's exactly it. And the other, the really scary thing is, I mean, you know, this, the market that the client is in is very, very competitive and their competitors would not be afraid to, to attack it. So, you know, the security, I really, you know, still need to look at like the API throttling side of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've made quite a few changes this week. So it's, um, 
it now has like a backup. So if the system can't call an API and the API is not responding, then it, you know it falls back to another one. So it's got quite a nice graceful degradation cool. there. And um, there's yeah, always going to so, be something you don't think of, though. Of course, I think, I think that's yeah. it. I think you you, you can try your best, and you have to battle test. You know, I think the idea is to give yourself like escape hatches in some regard to being yeah. like, all right, I can handle that. You know, if it comes to it, there's a couple of places I can do certain things with. Uh, you know, like certain, you know, building it in a certain way that it does allow some flexibility, but not yeah. ultimate flexibility where you've just got a design that's so abstract that you can't, you know, that's insane and so complex. And I think that yeah. is finding that balance is hard. Actually, speaking about hacking and stuff, uh, mm. completely on a tangent, but have you watched a TV show called Mr. Robot? I'm about a year or like a, a past <laughs> I keep meaning to watch it. It's on Prime, watch isn't it? it? Watch it. It is good. It, is it, you it? will like it. You will like it. That they mentioned the first thing they mention is the Tor proxy and the onion routing in right. a TV show that is released, you know, to the world. It's quite an amazing thing. You're like, oh my god, this is so geeky. And I've even <laughs> convinced Amy into getting into it. So it's one yeah. of those. Yeah, I definitely recommend it about hacking and things like that. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I might watch that tonight. Then. Obviously, but, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, I remember Big Bang Theory at the first, like at the beginning, mm. it was quite cool. It was like, oh yeah, and that's like the guys, you know, obviously like Sheldon was like spending his Friday evening formatting his hard drive and installing a new Linux distribution. And I was like, that's yeah. pretty much amazing. Yeah, I've never done that. <laughs> of course not. I'm not that sad. Yeah, I am. I would do that. Uh, but you know, so you know, it kind of. But once it gets more appeal, it obviously has to get more generic because people don't understand the tech side. But this, mm. especially like the first couple. Of episodes have definitely remained quite geeky which is what i really like okay i'll check that out one thing i was going to ask you actually was um one of the things i'm having to sort out now is really uh the actual sort of database hosting i've just moved over to rds on your recommendation and um really happy with that uh but the only sort of issue i would say is the pricing transparency it's not great i mean they do say you know this is the cost per hour etc but it's really hard to kind of calculate what that's gonna work out as in i think that's the the the, the beauty and the the curse of these kind of passes and these uh mm. on, on these sasses really is you know that you you know i mean i say go rds because i suppose you what you could do i mean is you could set up your own server um have your own dedicated box or your own virtual vps that has postgres on it uh you know or the database uh, you know system of choice at that time you want and then you need to set up remote you know you'll do your own mirroring and things like that and you're probably gonna you're definitely gonna be cheaper it will probably definitely yeah. be cheaper because you are then dealing and handling that you need to deal with updates you need to deal with the fact of you know does it actually work you know will if i if i do fall over will it actually go and make that the master you know switch the masters and things all these complex yeah. things um, yeah. and if you go with something like rds you essentially you know you abstract that away you, you've now you take know, away the headache that's it yeah. they deal with it you can easily spin up new boxes you can say i want a replica i want it to be this much replica and things like that and and mm. also the type of database you use i don't know how abstract and how much rds is kind of probably specific to the data store you use uh like mm. you know if in a relational database whether how easy it is to switch between them but i mean you're not really if you're going to want to be a postgres guy you're a postgres guy you've got mysql you've also got their own one haven't you and i can't remember what it is aurora i think it is or something yeah it's, their it's own. Like a spin on a mysql yeah right? and that scares me that one does because I feel to myself that you want a local dev environment. Like, you mm. should be able to set that up external. Like, having this kind of tie to a platform or to, like, say, Amazon. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. I mean, it's great in some regard because you get all the cool stuff. You get, oh, yeah, we get Lambdas. We get all these new services that they provide you. But now you're tied in. You, that, you are tied into their product. If they change it, you have to change. You can't break out and use that code again somewhere else. It's not agnostic to a certain service. 
Um, you know, obviously mm. things like Docker containers are in some regard, and that's where, you know, it's nice using those kind of things because, or, you know, on a higher level just as a virtual machine, because what you can then do is just be like, well, I know I can install what I need to install on this VPS, and they just yeah. provide me with the box, essentially, which yeah. is easy enough to move around. But actually using a service, which are so powerful and so tempting but you do mm. then have you are tied in you are then whatever amazon says the price increases and stuff like that with rds you're not ex- especially if you're using something like postgres you're not tied in to a, an extent because you're only using their service which provides the extra reliability stuff on top of it for the abstracting away that you're still using postgres you can still move it over to a, your own instance of postgres yeah, I mean, I, was, I mean, from my best estimates, I think I'm going to be spending about £1,000 a month on it, which is a bit wow. scary. But yeah, yeah, just the nature of this product and the amount of space I'm going to need is crazy. So, um, I mean, have you thought about, uh, I suppose, so, so how, is it, how is it priced up? Is it priced up on activity use or actual data stored? Um, well, basically, it gives you like an effective hourly price and because can you, and i think you can cheapen the, it a bit don't they you can you, do you can say like oh i really want this box i'm renting it out for a month like they know that it's going to exist for a month so they're going to cheapen it. i don't know what if it does yeah, work like I think that. you can even do it for like three years or something so um yeah i've actually you know i'm, I'm going to leave a message for one of the aws sales guys to you know because i'm really looking for some advice on what the best setup is i mean i know i definitely want a replica database because that that just seems really sensible to me and and I think I'm going to need their um, Elasticash uh, service again. That seems sensible. So it's I think it's those three main things I want. What does Elasticash do then? Is that is that a like a query cache yeah, or is yeah. it or just a key value store? I'm not 100 percent sure to be honest with you. I need to get more clued up on it. But uh, yeah, it just it allows you to store things more efficiently in in the. Uh, sort of local memory rather than you know hitting the database all the time is my understanding but again i need that's why i want to speak to one of these aws guys make sure i'm getting the right product so um and that's another thing actually <laughs> with a win of a SaaS is you get support which you won't yeah. get if you had your own box because they'll True. be like well we're just giving you the vps we don't care what you put on it like that's your own yeah. problem so it is swings and roundabouts isn't it you have to weigh yeah. the pros and the cons there of what yeah. you're getting like the pricing and stuff and i mean i would say maybe in something you know like you know like is there a case that you can offload stuff like you know the rds system use is the most current stuff but you're able for analytical stuff to be able to bring it off take it off that system and put it into say just a vps with postgres that you're able then to query i don't know whether that there's yeah. an operation you could do there that would allow you then to cheapen up how much data is actually stored on that box and what yeah. needs to be available at that time or aggregations as well you know like are you able to spend a day processing some data backing that up and then only having some aggregate data from that main data but you know you can always go back and get that main data but you only store the aggregates and you're allowed to then build up from there i mean it, it, this yeah. is the trouble though it gets into all these things where you you know the complexity increases yeah that's it and i, I don't want too much of my time to be taken away from uh actually coding up the program to, you know, hosting an infrastructure, that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, it's a huge I think, yeah. thing, isn't it, though? I mean, once you get into a yeah. product like that, you you know, you really are paying, you are spending, if you're doing it on your own as well, you are spending a lot of time on the DevOpsy side and also on the infrastructure side on what, what you actually need, the puzzle, yeah. you know, yeah. the pieces to it. You're not just looking at an application as in just a PHP application. 
you're looking yeah. at every little bit you know nook and cranny for it you know all the different bits that comp you know combine to be- create this one application that the person sees yeah which yeah, is a lot yeah. of bits <laughs> a lot of moving Absolutely. parts yeah yeah but that's enough about me anyway what about you what have you uh been up to, I've been up to nothing nothing, nothing. at all it not been, been trying to buy a house or anything no never no, no. right no no not there yeah i've been <laughs> it's really really interesting actually because like the past couple of weeks have been just kind of surreal like kind of really like you know yeah they've just flown by and it was really weird yeah. thinking oh we haven't done a podcast in a while actually i mean i went on holiday uh, which is always a nice thing uh went to yeah. alaska which i can't complain about that was amazing uh you That's know amazing it, yeah it was insane uh and you know that was a great experience and and i was sad enough on the plane journeys i mean some people read books some people you know uh watch movies tv shows i've just loaded up my uh little uh am- like my little uh nexus with uh a load of youtube videos a load of uh lectures and stuff i'm like oh yeah well this gives me an opportunity time to you know go for a lot of sam newman's vi- lectures and stuff and a lot of like the uh rikiki stuff and a lot of the uh, like uncle bob stuff and it was just like yeah and i and it was amazing like i i literally just went through probably eight hours of of these things on the plane which was the saddest thing i'm thinking this is really sad ed but i enjoyed it and it's so good like it sometimes you know the written word is great but actually getting them when they're talking and like when someone's talking and explaining it in that way you just hear it in a different way and actually in some regard like especially with some of the sam newman stuff he would say something in one in one uh in one aspect in one way in one of the lectures and then he would say it again in another and obviously he'd say a little bit different which would allow me Mm. to really mold what i what i perceive his idea is if that makes sense like it allows you to construct okay this is what i think he means then more as opposed yeah. to maybe like oh i completely misread what he meant there or mis- you yeah. know, misheard what he meant there um, yeah yeah but obviously the sam newman stuff goes into what you were talking about you know because yeah. obviously the microservice stuff so i have been reading the mu- building microservices book from him um, and it is yeah. a hot topic and it is a brilliant book and it is very interesting it it's very pragmatic yeah. as well which i really like and i really recommend it i think even if you're not mm. going to look at the microservice architecture um in the future like at, at this time um even if in, in the near future just just reading that to understand the concepts of how a big yeah. system needs to be broken up um and actually one of the talks i i listened to was eric and eric evans one so he's the, he's the ddd guy um, and he was like one of the name of it was microservices now we have clear boundaries because yeah. you know all what he's been you know essentially blab- you know not blabbing on about but you know preaching <laughs> for the past like tw- you know since 2003 when it came out the dd book is you know clear bounded boundary contacts is ubiquitous languages between those co- in those contexts and how the transfer between them and how you don't leak out your domain and stuff and how everything's different and when and only when really you bring in microservices do you have that extreme pain of like whoa okay the only input output i have is a network call yeah i have clear boundaries now and you know i think what's great actually is actually reading the if you want to learn ddd actually reading this understanding microservices book is a great idea because he relates it a lot back to the eric evans stuff and you yeah. relate it back and you'll be like oh, okay this makes complete sense and it really felt that with me um, yeah. so yeah i've been doing that so that, that was an amazing experience the alaska stuff and mm. then also me and amy on our last meetup with fraser um he always yeah. puts us to shame doesn't he really i mean you oh, put me to shame yeah. really with your jogging and stuff last year you know you've you've essentially <laughs> have done a half marathon you just did oh yeah we did a half marathon me and me and fraser on a sunday evening i'm like wow <laughs> you are mental uh you know and then fraser's like yeah well you know I, I'm, I'm doing a, an iron man i'm just thinking damn you friend. yeah how the crazy. hell you know and he's doing it in september and he's just like you're mental you're absolutely mental and and speaking to him and he's like no you can do it and you know he's very 
he's not like oh no only only i could do this you know he is very much like no if you put the time in you can you can do it and yeah. i was thinking all right well me and amy have been thinking about what we can do you know something mm-hmm. we're definitely not going to be doing iron men uh but we thought <laughs> what was a realistic goal and we thought well we we'll try a half marathon so we've i mean we found a really good um kind of half marathon guide online which just says week by week what you really should be doing um, and we're kind of just going through that, really. And it is just, it's really nice being able to get out and do some jogging. Um, you know, again, away from the keyboard, but it's the same kind of thing. You put in the effort and the time, the, the hours, the miles, the, you know, the, the thing, and then you get some results out, you know, the learning. Yeah. Exe- it, me, to, to me, the, you know, the, the exercise and the training is the learning to what you get out where you're like, oh, yeah, I can do that now or I understand that. It's, yeah. But it's just yeah, been amazing. Yeah. So yeah, we've got that in October, uh, beginning of October. We've done, we've uh, booked ourselves in for a half marathon. So wow. we're slowly but surely. And I'm trying to convince you to come, but I don't know whether you will be able to. You have a very busy schedule. I know you could I'd do like it. To. I know you could do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I think I could. I still have nightmares. Of the one I did with Fraser was just. Uh, I mean, he could have carried the, on. Did you hit the wall? Um, do you know what? Not fitness wise, but actually physically my legs uh they just they felt like they've just given up like yeah 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 oh, then when they become weights it is a horrible horrible yeah. feeling yeah you just feel like a different person don't you you don't feel you think like hang on a minute half hour ago i felt like on top of the world and now i'm feeling yeah. this it's like this can't be the case but i remember thinking at the end of it thinking to do another half marathon now there's just no way I could do it. Uh, I honestly yeah. live I mean, my that, house. That's, to be that's the. I mean, we phrase it so. Because what combines to be an Ironman is what is it? Uh-huh. It's like it's twenty. Is it? Is it five miles uh, swimming? Yeah. Twenty. Uh, an a, a hundred miles bike ride, and then a marathon. That's crazy. What the, what the hell, it? man? Like what the hell? I, yeah. I mean, any one of those, I would be happy. As that's it. Like that's my achievement as a for my life would be. Yeah, I did that. I did a marathon. You know, not I did a marathon. Yeah. I did a bike ride and I did a swim in one day. Mental. Mental. Yeah. But our hat is tip off, obviously, to Fraser, and we are rooting for him. And it'd be good to get him when he gets back on the show because I know he's been super busy with work and obviously the training. You know, because he is taking yeah. it seriously, and I think that's what I admire about him as well is that he is taking it seriously. So you the know, thing so- is, I'm not one to you know drag someone through the dirt, but he does do a lot of illegal substances, and oh that's yeah, gotta help. I mean, all of the stuff with the Russian thing coming on at the moment. Yeah, yeah let's just say, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope yeah. they'd screen him, you know? He spends a lot of months in Russia in a year. I mean, we've we <laughs> no idea what he does, so... Uh, did you watch the... Completely random again. The UFC card, the 200 card? No. No, oh, God. The amount of ped stuff going on there was insane. Really? Yeah. The, the main event was, like, essentially had to be changed the day before, two days before, because the guy, John Jones, I think it is, um, he tested positive and then afterwards Brock Lesnar obviously the wrestling guy uh you know he then turned positive he was positive and it's like wow these people don't believe they're gonna get caught or they they put something in their body that they don't know about you know like wouldn't you if you were that athlete make sure everything you touch is to the book it's just absolutely yeah we we touch on a lot of areas and we're also (laughs) gonna now touch on house hunting because obviously that's the other thing that I've been doing so house hunting it's scary it's hard, it's stressful, and that's yeah. I'm going to leave it at that, really, because that's all that's kind of happening, just just hunting for houses. It's so horrible. Catch a house, you know? It really is one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in your life, genuinely. That, that and debug a complex program well, written debug. in classic ASP. Uh, <laughs> written by me, yeah. 
<laughs> no, written by me at one o'clock in the morning, thinking I'm trying to be clever a couple of years ago. <laughs> Would be what it is. Like, why did you do this, Ed? Why, 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 why? <laughs> uh, but no, so moving on to more techie stuff, actually, and slowly moving into the tech stuff. Uh, the new GitHub font, have you checked it out? No. No, right. So if you go to GitHub and just go on a repo or something, you'll see that they've got a new font. And they, the guy, uh, I can't remember his exact name, but he posted, oh, we've got a new font and everything. And he's been very good, actually, at talking to people because obviously you get a lot of FUD where people are like, I hate it, I love it, I don't know about it and stuff. And I'll be honest, I was the same, actually, um, you know, with uh, this one. I was like, oh, but I spend all my days on GitHub. So it becomes yeah. very much like a part of you. Like, well, you've just changed it to me. And I think that is a very much... a a kind of the way of the times where before you could say, well, I still have my old product. Like I have version two of it. You know, version yeah. three has the new things. I want to stick with version two. But obviously now with a web product, they update it. You don't get the old version anymore. It's up to them if they provide that with for you, you know, that old font. So yeah. what, what actually happened now is I think they're using more of a monospace font. They're using a monospace font, so it's subtly different. And I, I, yeah. I'm starting to prefer it. And I think it's the whole thing with the whole Facebook changes. People say, oh, I hate it. I can't believe it. Arr, you know, arr, I, I want it to change. But, you know, slowly give it a little time and see how it goes. And to me, it has slowly drawn on me. And I do like it now. But it is funny where I just hear on Twitter, oh, I hate this. It's crazy. Why would you do this to font? What, you know, it's like, it is just a font. It's not the end of the world. And I you like can change. It, actually. You like it. Yeah, you see, yeah. that's the thing. Like, my instant thing was, oh, you know. But it does make sense to be a monospace font because, obviously, you're dealing with code. It's not actually a web font. Um, so it's different on different platforms. So on OS X, you're getting San Francisco. On Windows, you're getting Seorge. And then on Linux, you're getting the Ubuntu font. So it's right. interesting because what they, obviously, they don't want to do is have to make you download a whole new font. Because yeah. it, it does seem a bit of a painstaking thing. I mean, especially for them, how much, how many, how much like, actual throughput they get. They want to use a system font, and I can understand that. And it must be hard finding a system font that's similar enough in all of the platforms and available yeah. in most of the platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, what it, what's the object-oriented way to become wealthy? <laughs> uh, I'm going to pretend you didn't tell me this. Uh, is it uh, inheritance? It is. Oh, my God. Hey. How did you know? That is oh, mental. Absolutely mental. And why did the programmer quit his job? I don't know. Why did he quit his job? <laughs> because he didn't get a raise. <laughs> oh, dear. They're Shocking. awful, awful jokes. But why did the Java programmers have to wear glasses? Or why do Java programmers have to wear glasses? Oh, I don't know. Why couldn't they? Why? Why? Well, well why do they? Because they don't <laughs> see sharp. <laughs> oh, it's, they are terrible, aren't they? Oh, what is, hang on, this is it. A programmer had a problem. He decided to use Java. He now has a problem factory. <laughs> this is humour that if I told Amy it, yeah, she would just look at me confused. But with it cracks us up. It is pretty sad, actually, isn't it? I don't see women as objects. I consider each to be a, in a class of their own. <laughs> anyway, that's enough jokes. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I found a page which has got loads of jokes on and they made me chuckle today. So I thought I'd, uh, I'd yeah. show. I, I'd, I'd share with the audience. <laughs> oh dear so so what what else are you working on at the moment is it just full tilt still in the um yeah in that um pretty much um did a uh little bit of work for um big hosting company um but that was a small stuff really so yeah mainly this this website um but yeah just really like i say when i started the project i hadn't really worked with postgres or react or flux or any anything like that um before so 
yeah, it's just been a huge learning curve, really. And even like last couple of weeks, you know, I'm still still learning a lot about React. And you know, I wasn't using um, like you know, you got me into the habit of using the you know the should component update, and then that was you know I managed to get a lot of performance increase with that. And then I realized there was like immutability issues where I was saying, well, if this equals 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 this, then you know you know don't don't update because we're the same. But then I was having issues, and I found out that well, really what you need to do is clone an object to make sure that um, you know it's seeing a difference when there that is a difference. Is that yeah, that's when the immutable JS library comes in. Um, and immutable JS Redux is it Redux? So uh, yeah, so Redux relies heavily on uh, immutable data structures because yeah. it does that thing where it's like, well, if it's not the same thing, I can assume that you've changed it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the immutable JS library uses what um, persistent data structures that uh, that Clojure yeah. uses, uh, and a similar way of doing that. Um, and it allows you to yeah, essentially every time you do an alteration to a date to a, a list or uh, whatever data structure you, you you use within the immutable JS library, it provides you with a reference to a brand new data structure but yeah. it's shared so it's not cloning them so it's not not performant you know if you would be thinking oh i've got a, a massive array or a massive data structure are you saying that to add a new thing i need to copy all that you don't it shares it mm-hmm. but it does still provide you with that immutable it's append only and it, it's great it's uh, not append only, sorry it's append only in the fact that the way that the actual data structure works is append only um yeah. you know to, internally to so it accommodates for the fact that you can share these these data structures so two data structures can essentially share most of their data it just so happens that the second one we added something else and it will be fine so it's really really interesting and and yeah especially with things like working out things have updated it's such a a cheap way of checking now if you do immutable stuff because you don't have to you don't care like you don't care that down the line i mean this is trouble with objects you know where you do a change on an object it's the same reference it's the same thing yeah but you don't know so you have to do these checks so you know you weigh up the pros and cons of having an immutable data structure, which maybe is not as it's definitely not as performant as having an object data structure um, yeah. from the off, but the comparisons are so much cheaper. Yeah. So it's working that out, and you're like, oh, how much? How many? How many more comparisons am I going to do more than I am going to edit this data structure? And do I care about the memory being maybe a bit more in the data structure? And a lot of the time, you don't. Yeah, yeah. But, but you found that, like, tweak... I mean, React performance is an interesting one because, obviously, I mean, it's a brand-new technology in some regard. And, yeah. you know, you, you eventually understand it. You learn it. You're like, yeah, I get it. And you're like, oh, it's not performing anymore or it's slowly degraded. And then yeah. you have to work out, you know, should a uh, component update and you have to be a bit more... You know, that it tries its best to work it out, but you ha- giving it these aids and nudging it in the yeah. right direction, obviously. Gives it, giving it Yeah, giving it the heuristics. Yeah, that's true, and I, I hadn't, you know, it's my fault for not really reading documentation as as well as I should have done at the beginning. But um, yeah, you do have to hold it. Well, you don't have to hold his hand a little bit more, but it's certainly in your interest to do so. And uh, yeah, I was noticing performance hits by not using that that method. So yeah, you know, it's uh, live and learn. It's, it's all good, absolutely, um, sir. I mean, and can you speak about this big ISP, not ISP, big you know person or? Should you know I just what? wipe that out of this I, podcast? <laughs> yeah, I don't have to edit it out, but I don't know. I need to read the because uh, I did read like an N, uh, sign an NDA. Uh, NDA. Oh, look at right? you, yeah, yeah professional. NDA. Look at so, that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I meant to or not, but um, but yeah, it was it was just like uh, WordPress work. Really, I've not used WordPress for ages. So, How much um, do you love it, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes you want to cry, you know doesn't it? It's really difficult because I, on one hand, I really want to slag it off big time. And, but like building my own application now, 
like I'm very aware that, that people could easily slag off my work because there's a lot to slag off about it. Um, but at the same time, you think, well, you know, I've done my best with what I knew at the time. And really, the WordPress developers were the same. Yeah, right? the I code mean, it, base. I, I it's just not changed it's much. become stagnated, hasn't it? And I think they, yeah. the only way of changing it is to rewrite the whole thing. And then it's weighing up, well, is it worth a rewrite? And, it, and I think stuff like Joomla, I know they they went with a full rewrite. Um, yeah. And I think Drupal did as well and stuff. But I could be wrong there. I'm not 100% on that. But yeah, you know, I know Joomla specifically did. So, you know, whether WordPress should is a whole other thing. And it's a, it is a lot well, of work and a lot of time. And will they it. see any value out of it? Like their, yeah. their, their user base is really kind of hackers in some regards. Yeah. You know, no, no, not trying to belittle it but like you know they want to tweak together they want to get a couple of plugins maybe they want to hack some plugins together and make things work together they they're more of a you know a build you know build up what you want thing as opposed to a bespoke option where you start from the base and you get exactly what you want wordpress is going to give you what you you can kind of get from other bits and in that regard it is absolutely brilliant because the ecosystem actually is quite rich isn't it because of how many people have used it in the past and how much you know i mean is it i mean yeah, I mean, for you, I know that you said like a lot of it was, uh, well, a lot of things like templating and things like that, you know, I mean, is there a lot of stuff online for good practices with WordPress or is it very much you just have to do, you know, what you feel deemed best and that maybe that might be why, uh, you know, it's gone down this road where everyone just does what they want with it. There is, but again, I think it comes down to the point that you really kind of hit on it, which is, you know, it's, part of its beauty is its extendability and the rich communities out there and all the templates or the plugins all that kind of stuff but at the same time those templates plugins they're not they're not checked by anyone so anyone can upload anything so then like the plugin that i was brought in to do some work on i was brought in because they're having so many issues with it i was like oh this doesn't work can you fix it and then you've got to be really careful that you're not um you know making changes to to files that are just going to be overwritten as soon as you update the plugin so, you know, there's very you can see a very clear difference between a plugin that's been written really well and one that's not. And the ones that's been written really well, they give give you that ability to to overwrite certain parts with without the worry of it being overwritten when you upgrade. It's good design. So, it, like they've they've done yeah. good design principles and they've worked out exactly what the the actual user will want. Yeah. As but then, just hacking it together. There's a lot of plugin developers who are just there to make a quick buck. Darn throw dirty. something out there that looks okay as soon as you install it, and then. Whew, Good luck. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have to say the one I was using, to be fair, it did have a good sort of support um, system and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, with my developer hat on, yeah, of course, I want to, I really want to slag it off. But, you know, as someone who's, you know, looking at the clients and thinking, oh, this is what they needed, this is what they wanted, they needed it in this amount of time, it is really, really good for that res- so respect, really. Here, here's with because obviously now you're doing your freelance stuff, would you recommend yeah. WordPress? As a from a clean slate, no, I, I would never ever recommend WordPress. It would have to be; you. it's already there. You just have to suck it up and yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that yeah, that's my kind of feeling about it too. Like, if it's there, it's there. Um, I would, it's legacy I, I, code to me. Like, it's. Yeah. I guess I would recommend it to someone who's like, you know, what I've got a B and B. Um, you know, I've got a little, really, really small business. I don't need any e-commerce. Didn't, don't need anything like that. I just want a, a brochure site, two pages it's not a bad solution is it really you can yeah, get for them, so i suppose quick. yeah to allow them to do that that's true yeah. I, I do love going on work like that's another thing actually so obviously now the house hunting right i've been obviously very much in like very 
familiar now I am with mm-hmm. Rightmove, Zooplas, um, Prime Location, all these different websites and all the different UIs and stuff like that. And it's very, obviously being a geek, it's quite fun looking at all the different UIs and being like, oh, that's just bad user experience and stuff like, you know, like thinking. And, and really, I think also like the web, like their actual um, apps and stuff as well and how they work and how they interact. And you're like, this is an awful app and one of them's a yeah. good app. And I think Rightmove have actually done really well. Zoopla's not bad, but it's not as good. Uh, they haven't cared as much for their app as Rightmove do. And I um, bet any money, the good ones, they have in-house development teams. Whereas the bad ones... I'm sure. I, yeah. I think that's it, isn't it? And I think it's very easy to... And it, I mean, that's funny because obviously a couple of months ago, Lou's talking about obviously he's been interacting with these APIs and we had, you know, Matt on yeah. about it and stuff. And like, obviously then I was just thinking, oh yeah, well, we may be looking for a house sometime, you know? And it, it kind of <laughs> sparked up. It has now been like, yeah, no, I now know Zoopla. I understand Zoopla and I understand like... But, you yeah. know, I obviously don't... I mean, it's very interesting because obviously all these estate agents then hook in and integrate and say oh we are affiliated with zoopla or these things yeah. so they have to interact and that is a hard problem to solve having all these different places be able to generalize them generalize a format that are is then deliverable to multiple different you know mm. like bright moves the, the zooplas i mean they don't agree on formats they don't care about the other person in fact they probably don't want you to use the other person's they want it only yeah. on their site and i don't know what the fee structures are for like being open you know obviously they have to pay to be displayed on that site so yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by that that's quite an interesting little little thing but no so yeah completely tangent, but tangent. it is it's also a good good point uh where apis are so good is that you know and again it kind of links into the microservices talk we were talking about before is that you know, who cares how the API is made as long as you've got those endpoints. So Zoopla, all yep. I want to know is how do I get a listing of all your properties? That's it. What's your API and can I use it? And, and make sure you stay. provide me with this and then they'll, yep. they'll do the rest. So that that is the whole, I mean, that's the one thing. So Sam Newman with um, microservices, you know, talking about service oriented architecture, SOA. And really yeah. he describes that microservices as a more strict, you know, defined way of doing SOA. And it's true, yeah. you know, yeah. it's true, you know, because the, the term SOA has just become so vague yeah. uh, that, you know, I mean, really kind of like in anything, really, like developer is quite a vague term. Like yeah. we can call a web WordPress developer, you know, you can call, uh, you know, us a developer, you know, like I suppose that kind of thing where what do you constitute to be something for microservices, yeah. like a new term, people are like, oh, why are you using a new term for something that's already exists? And it's true. Yeah. Some people have already been doing SOA in the microservices way, but a lot haven't. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think that's the beautiful thing. And the, the to me, like, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes, all his talks, but like the way that he's able to describe like what a microservice should do and like the way that it should be autonomous and it should be deployable on its own is such a powerful thing and he mentions it a lot there that that is the crux can i deploy this without anything else having to change you know can yeah. i deploy this service whether it be you know a fundamental like, and, and handle the fact that obviously other services may still need to be using old versions of me or how do i deal with that and it becomes a whole different ball game but that's the autonomy of it because that allows that to live in its own ecosystem and that's where yeah. we obviously with code and especially like with monoliths and things i mean monoliths are great in some regard like you can't mm. have a go at a monolith in some regard because i can do a change to yeah. multiple areas and i can just deploy it and you can see it in a commit log like unless you're breaking up your you know your git um, repos into certain repos and stuff and then you you know you're separating history if you've got a clear history yeah. of the whole thing and you've got it all shared into one monolith 
you're like, okay, well, I can see that you you changed that and you changed that. And, you know, technically they're two different boundaries you're changing it in. Okay, mm. but you did it in one change, one autonomous change, boom. Uh, one automatic cha- atomic change, sorry. You do a deploy, deploys everything again. A lot of the stuff yeah. you've just deployed, you don't need to, you shouldn't have had to redeploy because it's not yeah. changed. You know, yeah. if, if you're looking at it in the clear boundaries and you're like, well, you have split them up and you, you could have got away with that. But obviously yeah. because it's a monolith, you just have to deploy everything again. Um, but you get away from the fact of having to think, well, I have to deal with the negotiate, like, like what you'd have to do with these changes is add air, you know, into these areas, you'd either have to run a whole separate version of the old version. So, you know, so you can do that change or you have that, you integrate that change into the wild first with pre, with the ability to go full back to the old way of doing things if they need it with versioning and stuff, or you do them both at the same time, but then you're dealing, you're then violating the autonomy because you're saying that these two have to be deployed together. Yeah. Blows your mind. Blows my mind. It does. I mean, I love that book, and um, I think the thing is, I would never treat it like uh, a development bible. You know, like I, I'm very wary of buzz terms as much as the next guy. And to be honest, even things like when people say, "Oh, I love agile," I was like, "What, what is, is agile? agile?" Yeah, exactly. So please just, just define <laughs> agile to me. And that's another thing. The and Uncle Bob talks I've done. He speaks yeah. about like the agile manifesto and like yeah. you know when they made it and stuff and how how diluted it's become. The term, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And scrum masters and all this stuff. And it's like, well, you've just taken bits of it. Yeah, and I don't think that's a good thing actually. But and it completely I'm always contradicting myself but in the same way the Sam Newman book I do you know I read bits think yeah that's right that's true that's good I'll take that and um, and I just take away some of the philosophy of it because like you say microservices has probably been done for a long long time it's just someone's now branded it and well, and also there's a lot of um, implementation details about it. Like, yeah, you need true. to know the the philosophy of of a of a problem. Like, uh, you know, yeah. like understanding OO, the concept yeah. of OO is fine. You know, yeah. the actual implementation of it is very yeah. much different. Like, I need you want, you need to understand what the concept of what OO is, what yeah. the pros are, why it's there, polymorphism, why is that yeah. great, as opposed to knowing I just understand how it works in say PHP, but I don't understand really? grasp exactly what. OO yeah. is you know you understand the term and that's as you say that microservice is better, and he, but he does he is quite good at giving you uh, more concrete stuff as well like real world yeah. examples of real how he's examples. used it and yeah. I think that's great about it so he gives you the philosophy gives you more of that the higher level stuff he does go dip into his toes into it a bit you know with doc talking about docker and all these things yeah. but yeah. obviously that's going to change over time and it's it you know it really shows you know that you really want to keep to have a book and have an idea I mean the reason yeah. why the DDD book's been around in 2000 since 2000 three and it's still remaining as it is is because it was very much about philosophy stuff as opposed to real practical how do i do asp.net 3.5 you know because that book once falls out who needs 3.5 version you know so you know you have to you know i i I like these books i love books like that that are timeless in some regard um or at least last longer than a normal book does uh you know deploy you know programming language book or a t- you know a feature book for something uh and and then you use go online and you interact and you work with the implementation details but yeah so for as, as a as a philosopher book like philosophy book i do agree it, it's a really great book to read yeah i yeah and i think like you say i mean you don't have to be a really amazingly technical minded developer to read the book you, you could be pretty beginner developer and just get some of the concepts and take that away i think you would learn is. a lot from yeah. just yeah just generally i mean it really is expanding on you know single responsibility and all these separation, kind of concerns. separation concerns and you know the deployability is um yeah i, I think you know it, it opens up these areas and and talks about them um 
yeah. you know, in a very clever way. And, and, it, and it really does kind of separate problems. I think for me, really. like one of my biggest fears with like doing this project, my first sort of, you know, big, big project by myself was, um, you know, I was really scared of building a monolith that would just become a nightmare. And I would just, just a hodgepodge of all the different bits and all yeah. the, all the different domains and and thinking like oh you know really that yeah no but the, a user in this context is different from that but because obviously i've got this user class that i use everywhere it's just this god class now and yeah absolutely yeah. like and i think thinking of it in terms of a system makes it so much easier like no in this system this whole system a user yeah. this and in this whole system uses this but the trouble is obviously the ddd stuff you kind of actually meld it into the same same project and yeah i mean he does mention obviously you know you start off with say packages and you use the language constructs that you have to be able to differentiate between modules and things like that and you yeah. can break it up that way and it's a lot cheaper to break it up that way and until you eventually find the real microservices out of it that you can deploy but yeah. you know it's hard sometimes because I remember it was very hard for me to, to grasp the fact that oh, I've got two users though. Like yeah. what makes no sense? Like they're both users. They're just in different packages. Like what, you know, like why don't we just have one user? This is a prof- This is the application. It's like, no, because they're different contexts and they're different ways of thinking. And it's a different domain that you're in between these. And I oh, know you can't share between those, even though it's possible. You can't because that is a domain entity. That that's a domain concept value. You can't you can't share the inners of that domain. And people yeah. will be saying that to me. I'll be like, but but it's right there. I can I can access it though. Like it's okay to, isn't it? No no no. But in an object in a service, sorry, you really can't. It's a whole different code base. Like you have yeah. to, you have to really break in and and access it, and it's not possible. So it is a great way of thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but what obviously with it, and there's one thing I I I've been rambling on, but like one thing I would love to talk about is mm. logging and one yeah. thing he does mention obviously is that with a monolith you have a problem you ssh into the box you do a top you work out the logs yeah um and typically uh in a monolith you're going to have quite a maybe a simple architecture maybe it's just an apache box running php and that's it and a database so there's a couple of areas that could go wrong there you know there's the database could be slow uh you know and there's you know obviously apache and php failing um, yeah. so you've got all those logs Great. But then obviously when you go into microservices, they become their own separate entities and it's working out exactly where the problem actually is happening. Yeah. But a request now is trickling through all these different places. Like to do one request on a monolith would just be hitting that box, hitting that that instance of that service, yeah. boom, yeah. done, return. Easy. Okay, I can look at the trace on that one box. It's done. Mm. Uh, easy, easy peasy. But now you're obviously maybe doing like four or five different microservice calls. Again, performance, but that's, we could talk about that another time, you know, like around yeah. that. But like you're, you're maybe hitting like four or five different microservices. Where did the problem go? And wh- which ones <laughs> correlate to which? And and that's when things like correlation IDs happen, uh, really are important uh, and unique IDs. So that's one thing actually a while back, actually, before I went on holiday, uh, I actually was working on in on archite- our architecture. So we do run somewhat of a monolith um the monolith application is stored in a monolith repository but there are separate applications within it uh so you have the apis and then you actually have you know certain applications front-end applications they're just symphony 2 apps um i mean in some regard actually all of them are simply two apps but it doesn't really matter like there is no real concern it's just these are separate entities um now obviously the bin monolith it allows us to do changes between them which is, gives a very nice thing but obviously we have to deploy i mean one of the funny things is obviously i deploy a change to the api but i'm also updating and bumping up the versions of the assets because i've done an update i've done a deploy that doesn't mm. make sense does it like they're not gonna like why am i making it them download a whole brand new asset version you know because of the versions technically changed but it hasn't really because that application itself hasn't changed yeah um 
but we have quite a complex well, i'd say yeah quite complex actually routing through so we have nginx for ssl termination we then have varnish varnish will then decide whether it needs to go well obviously it's the cash layer so it'll say do i can i get this have i already got this requested as an asset is it something like is cashable go back give it back to them uh, else it will decide okay is this an api call goes to apis it then goes to kong uh, we spoke about Kong last year, and I'll, I'll, I'll put a mm-hmm. link into the show notes of you know the Kong uh, po- podcast we did. And does it go to, once it goes to Kong? Kong it then goes to the API endpoints, so it goes to the, and then to Apache, which we use currently for handling PHP. Uh, you know, so it says, all right, yeah, those those, or it goes from the varnish down to the applications. Now the applications themselves, say admin and marketplace, they can interact with the API. So again, it goes through and it goes round again. So it's quite complex. And what what, what we did. Uh, was we, we used a new service we used uh, logly so we've moved all our logs so we've got quite a lot of different things you know we've got the well you think there you've got nginx logs varnish logs apache logs for each of the different things apis yeah. different applications all have separate logs for them you then have php logs obviously for each one of them you then have kong logs you have uh, postgres logs we have cassandra installed because of kong at the moment so C- kong lo- uh, cassandra logs um and you're like oh my days like how do you deal with this like i want to know a request you know, so I say a request, like, well, I want to know what happened with that request. Like, one of the requests that we do is opening up the leads application. And in turn, opening up the leads application, we need to call the API, the lead API. And so what we did was we did an optimization where we actually internally call the API, the lead API um, internally, get the bootstrap file and inject it into the page with it. So they didn't have to do just that request for no reason. Yeah. But that technically is part of the same request that first came in. So what we've had to do is we've got Nginx request ID is generated in, in Nginx. In newer versions of Nginx, you can actually it actually gives you a request ID. But in our one, we just had to use like kind of an amalgamation of a couple of bits that would make it unique enough. So it comes in right yeah. as a request ID. It then go passes through Varnish. Obviously, every log now has this request ID. Passes through there. It goes through and filters through all the application. It even filters through to the Postgres queries. So if there's a slow query, we actually store with it as the name of the query, like with the Postgres system, the it's actual clever. request ID. Yeah. So we can make sure that we can track the whole way through. So in theory, what we can do is we can say, oh, problem happened with this. New Relic knows about them as well. So New Relic will maybe throw an exception or whatever happens there. I mean, we know it in Logly now as well. Okay, fine. Get that request ID, put it in, search for it. We now have the whole trace of how long it took and which part of the application it failed on or maybe it had a problem. I mean, it may fail on a Varnish or it may have failed when it got to Kong. But we don't know in, in some regard um, if we don't have this tracking, if we don't have this traceability. And that really was like, oh, yeah. When, when I looked at the microservice, I was like, we're doing that as well. We have to do that as well because of how the complex some of the application specific parts are. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Like, you know, I really love correlation IDs. I think they're a very valuable thing. Uh, you know, passing around a token saying, I am part of this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it took a little while. It, it really did. Like, it, it was one of those things where working out logs, syslogs, and working out formats, and logly, and, and storing stuff in JSON. So one thing, beautiful thing, people love JSON, and, and, and logly loves it, because mm. it actually stores it, very, it, it displays it, and is able to query it very effectively. Because uh, under the hood, it's using elastic search, and it's using like the whole elk thing. Yeah. So one of the things I want to do, but we didn't have really much time to do it, was to actually set up our own elk, like the elastic search, um, yeah. 
Kaba- uh, log stash and cabana yeah. um, and and each one so elastic search is what you store your data in so it stores all the documents make document store it's very effective document store to search things from uh, you then have log stash which is able to manipulate data logs so you know you'll get log comes in i mean one of the problems with us was postgres postgres uh essentially when it had a log it would a query could span multiple lines because obviously you have new lines in it but the way it would actually say, I, I only want one log. So say I want a select query. A select query could be multiple lines, but it obviously then would not join them all together into one log format. It would have this like kind of weird thing where it say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that message ID one, but I'm part one of it and I'm part two of it and I'm part three. And looking at it, you just couldn't easily look at it. Things are like Logstash. You can easily join those all together and put it into the, the format you want. Um, yeah. But we got around it with Logly, but it would have been nicer to do that. Um, but anyway, but yeah, so with json is great because if you store it in json then it's got some context to it all the time but json is a much bigger format to store and a lot of duplicate information has been stored yeah so you have to weigh up the pros and cons like you know we've gone with uh like apache log format a lot because obviously that's a very good standard to have the ncsa standard um but in some cases we're actually with the request id stuff we're actually storing some bits in json because we want some more context in there um, and be able to break it up but it is very fun and it is very effective um being able to search for these log stuff i mean when you're implementing it and you're like okay phew i've actually implemented i've been able to actually solve it and you're like will it actually make a difference and i do feel that actually having these correlation ids is making a difference because it's allowing us to see the full story um of a request which we used to be able to do when it was a simpler system but obviously the minute yeah. you add layers the minute you're adding layers you're just complexing it more because you don't know where it, where it broke it's true. It's true. I mean, the Michael Budd approach would be to have a different channel on your Slack room and then just send the logs to each. Hey, that's a feedback loop. <laughs> I mean, at the moment when you're in beta, essentially, if not alpha, really, yeah. you, need, you need that feedback loop. And yeah, only a yeah. couple of people. I mean, if you can if you can handle that, that's great. Like that, that's a good way of doing it. I mean, it's when you get to bigger, obviously, when you go to live that you need to be able to correlate. You want yeah. feedback and you want real feedback. And yeah. uh, false positives are a devil because obviously you start yeah. then becoming susceptible to ignoring feedback. You're like, oh, but it's just one of those, you know, ones that always yeah. fails. It's not really, you know, seeing red. If you see too much red, you just become used to red. Yeah. But if it becomes a, a case where you're like, no, this is serious. If it's red, it means danger. It means we really care about looking at it. Yeah. You know, it you, I think it's just a, psychologi- a psychological thing, isn't it, really? Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, at the time, you're, you're dinging. It means it's important. It means that there's something there and it's a manage- manageable amount. Yeah. Uh, it's only when you get into, I mean, like, so obviously you get Logly for looking after the fact um, at data. But then like we have like Datadog, which provides health on the current system. Because we want to know, obviously, if Postgres is having a problem or something like that. You're like, okay, well, why is Postgres going crazy? Or why is Apache going crazy? Or why is that down? Why is that taking that too long to respond? That gives us indications to alert us. All right, we need to start looking. There may be a problem. And then that obviously means we can go look in the logly stuff and get more more feedback and more, in, more intricate details on the problem. Yeah. And- I mean, obviously... In an ideal world, just, just don't have any errors in your application. Well, yeah, and, and also don't, don't need to just, log just, Yeah, just do it right first time. It's, yeah. it's really what we, we, we preach on this show. It really is. is. Really if you is. don't do it right first time, don't use Git. You don't yeah. need it. Version control. Well, you should have done it right the first time. Uh, yeah. Completely yeah. agree. Preach. Preach, man. Preach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else, mate, you want to talk about on this show? I think I've completely, again, sidetracked onto a load of random little bits. Well, we've discussed uh, buying houses, uh, React, Flux, immutability, jogging, uh, jogging, logging, microservices, microservices, logging. 
To be honest, probably end of the podcast. Exactly. I think we've 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 summed up every topic. We've yeah. we've we've spoken about every topic possible yeah. in the world. I like Sorry. it. I like it. Just listen to this one episode and you're done. You're done. I yeah. think we said that last time. I said I think yeah. we said like, I swear it was like, yeah, you've listened to the best like yeah. We said we've we've yeah. listened to the best podcast, you're never gonna get anything better than this from us now. Don't listen to it. And then this came along. So Sorry. well then this came along. Ooh, I like it. Now we look stupid. I like Again. it. Again. Yeah. We do. And until the next time. Yeah. Until the next time, we look stupid. Audience, <laughs> it's been great talking to you. It's been another great show. There we yeah. go. I've said it. Done the bit at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. All right, then, guys. Speak to you right. next week. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com. Or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.